Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. With all the revivals that are happening in the world, does the Bible give a biblical definition of what true Bible revival looks like? On this episode of Inverse. Hey, it's Justin from Inverse, and we've got a whole series of topics prepared just for you, pertinent for young adults. And we want you to get even more involved in our Bible study. So we prepared a Bible study guide called the Inverse Bible Study Guide. And you can access it by going to inversebible.org. From there, you can see all of our topics and study guides and materials and blogs and whatnot. And study the Bible and join our conversation here on Inverse. Welcome to Inverse, a study where we go through the Bible with friends, and we read, and we pray, and we have a good time, and in the studio with me are some of my good friends, and we're going to read the Bible, especially Nehemiah chapter 8 is where we're at. We've been looking at leadership principles all throughout the book of Nehemiah, and man, I've studied this book so many times, but uh, in conversation with you all, I mean, I've been blessed. There's some things that there is a there's a blessing with group dynamics and, and sharing all of our things together. So uh, we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit, and it's ultimately the Holy Spirit who does lead us, especially when it comes to the Bible study. And Sebastian, can you pray for us? Yes, let's pray. Our Father, what a privilege we have again to study your word. We pray, Lord, that uh, the spirit of truth would guide us into all truth. And Lord, as we discuss the topic of revival rebuilding a people, Father, that we ourselves might be revived and that we may leave this conversation transformed is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 What to Israel for first question. Can you give us a description of what's going on so far in, in Nehemiah? Maybe from about six to six and seven, okay. not all the way back. You're not going to start from the very beginning, huh? <laughs> <Please>. um, <laughs> finally, Nehemiah has been able to, along with the people, build the wall. Yeah. And uh, and as a re- 52 days, I believe, yeah, amazing 52 yeah. days, yep. And as a result of this, um, now the people have been gathered together and we're going to begin to read the scriptures and mm-hmm. scriptures will ultimately lead into a revival. And so I think the context or the foundation of this, the lesson that emerges where we're at now is that the purpose or the goal, the ultimate goal of leadership is to lead people to revival, to a transformation mm-hmm, of life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we see here in, this, in the second half of Nehemiah, about chapter 7 onwards, now we're looking at uh, Nehemiah reviving the people, mm-hmm. not just the logistical rebuilding of the wall, but how that feeds into reviving the people. So let's go to chapter 8 of Nehemiah, verse 1. And Siku, can you start reading for us? Sure. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose. And beside him at his right hand stood Mattithiah, Shema, Aniah, Urijah, Hilkiah, and Messiah, Maseiah. And at his left hand, Pediah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashum, Hashpadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Mm, well done. Thank you. And Ezra <laughs> opened the book in sight 
in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebethiah, Hodijah, Maseiah, Kelita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Thank you, Siku, for that. Um, well, I'll, I'll do a jump ball question. Uh, anything that you see in this first half of, of chapter 8? Uh, this is one of my favorite, 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 favorite chapters well, the, of the Bible. Well, the immediate thing that, that jumps out to me in verse 1 is the fact that the people gather together as one man, the Bible says, in the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. Yep. We just so, read that. Mm -hmm. so we see that <laughs> as they're gathering together as one man in this mm -hmm. unified uh, mindset, that phrase is, is denoting the fact that they all came there in the same spirit mm -hmm. and the same need and the same desire, and there was something burning in every single person who attended. They understood what this ceremony represented. Mm -hmm. And... That is just a profound um, foundation for any revival, right? This idea of gathering together, but yet having the same mindset. Mm -hmm. You can attend the same physical place and you can be in the same physical space, but if you don't have the same heart and mind, you're not gathered together as one man. Yep. Well, let's bifurcate that a little bit, and I appreciate those two steps. There, on one level, that physical gathering in itself is very important. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we are seeing less and less of that in our digital age where people are just saying, hey... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see you there, and then they don't even show up, or they're there, you know, uh, digitally streaming online, and right. and slowly we're losing the fabric of community and being together physically in one place together. Mm -hmm. Although uh, my guess is the next generation wants to to have that more than ever. I mm -hmm. mean, we we want that organic hangout time more than ever, but we're, we're, we're with our devices. and. Well, think about the contrast, right, of, of current culture is trending towards these one-off events like the Burning Man that happens out in the desert, and these people go out there, and, I mean, they're doing, you know, God, who, God knows what, what's happening out there, but why is it that they're so drawn to these kind of experiences that mm -hmm. this event happens once a year for just 24 hours? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, why? Well, because I'm so digitally disconnected, and now I get to descend upon this physical place and we're all enjoying a similar frame of mind, desires, goals, expressions, and connection. And then we go back to our, you know, regularly scheduled mm -hmm. lives at the end of the day. Yep. There's a power to the physical meeting. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. Absolutely. And then the second half you're mentioning is then they also have the same mentality together. Yes. They have the same goal and heart to do that. So it gives us merit. I mean, let's, I'll ask you a question. What do you say to young people who, or not young people, just anyone who says they go to church? But they don't, quote, get anything out of it. Mm -hmm. And when they go, no one says hi. No, they don't say hi to anyone. Mm -hmm. And you know, what's the even point of, of going to church? 
I'd rather just watch Inverse online uh, <laughs> with Sebastian and Israel That's and Siku true. and Jonathan and, and uh, Callie and Justin. And I don't want to go to my local church, which only has, you know, maybe another six people who are 107 years old. And, and, and uh, help, us, help us work through that. No, this is, this is a conversation that we're actually having with my local church, which mm. is a very small church. Um, we're like 30 people, mm. and we're talking about our worship service and how can we make it a welcoming experience for people, etc. And something that one of um, the worship committee members said in, in one of our meetings was, you know, we could come up with all the gimmicks that we want, and we could, you know, revise the order of service and re-revise and etc. She's like, but... At the end of the day, why are you coming into worship? Mm. You know, and that's something that, yes, we need to make sure that our worship service is good and it's quality. It's like, but there's something about the person who is coming into the service and what they're anticipating from the experience. And it seems here there was a certain anticipation of what they were going to experience in this coming together. And when we come into the house of God, what is it that we are anticipating that we are there for? Am I there to be entertained? Because if I'm there to be entertained and it's not entertaining, I don't get what I came for. Am I there for, you know, uh, music that's going to make me feel like the Holy Ghost just came down because if the music <laughs> ain't like that, then I didn't get my praise on today and I'm not going back to that church. So what is it that I'm anticipating in the hmm. worship experience? What, what's the whole purpose of church in the first place? And I think even that concept has been lost what's in our generation. What's the whole purpose of church to begin with? Yes, no, that is lost. We, we, don't, we don't know why we go to church. What I love about this passage in Nehemiah is the fact that um, it, it really brings everyone to the same level mm-hmm. and the same playing field. Like, we, we think in reality, we, everyone here probably belongs to a different kind of cultural background. We have different upbringings. And there are, there are definitely things that make us different. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we're all flesh and blood. We're all the same. And, and, and we're all the same whether, you know, you live in, in the southern part of the United States or the northern part of the United States or a different outside, of the, outside of the United States, you know, wherever. Ultimately, what ends up happening is that at the end of the day, there's a similarity that, that binds the whole human family together. Not just currently, but also from now to ancient times. In other words, what is happening in the book of Nehemiah, even though it's happening thousands of years ago with a different group of people in a different time under a different context, is ultimately the same in many, many aspects. And so the question that I ask myself is, what is it that people want? And Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1 answers that question. It is the people that come to the leadership and they say, we want the Word of God. Mm. We want the Word to be read. We want the law of God to be read to us. And what has happened here is significant because, you know, there's this law of the lid that the people won't rise above the leadership. Nehemiah has been so engrossed and, and diligent in focusing on the rebuilding of the wall that now people have a singular fixation on the, the study of God's Word. And there's no distraction of, you know, who's here or what's being done or is the Word of God going to be read in a, in a manner that is going to, you know, make me feel good. It's like they don't care about any of that. They want the Word of God and they have a singular fixation on that. Mm-hmm. And so Nehemiah has transferred that from the building of the wall now to the building of the individual. Mm-hmm. Historical context tells us that these Israelites were sent to Babylon 
disaster, there's just national loss of identity, then they're brought back to Babylon, uh, uh, Jerusalem, and they're rebuilding the city, uh, but they weren't really getting any traction. Nehemiah, Nehemiah comes, and now they rebuilt the city, and there's almost the sense of like, now what? Mm-hmm. Now, where is the Lord going to take us? What's the next stage? Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of anxiety. Mm-hmm. What? What? What are? What's? 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 Our, what's in our destiny? What's next? Mm-hmm. Now that the externals haven't finished, mm-hmm. and uh, they're looking, and, and that direction, whenever we have that anxiety, can only come from the Word of God. It gives us a destiny, a, a projection of what's what God wants us to do. Yes. Uh, I love it. In verse two, three, four. I mean, what we just read, the Bible is really center, the centerpiece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're reading. But how are they reading? It's, it's just not, they're just not doing scripture reading here. Right. Uh, there's a nuance to it. What, how do they do it? Well, before, before on the how, uh, something that I noted in, in verse 2 and then it comes up again. The people who were assembled, it says men, women, and all who could hear with understanding mm-hmm. were there. Um, I, I liked that because, you know, going to church with my little kids, you know, I have a three-year-old. And sometimes sitting through the worship service, there are things that he can understand from the sermon. Like he may not get everything, and you know all the all the all the stuff that's that's mentioned. But he'll pick up, and after after church, he'll say, "Oh, God, God made the 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 birds," you know, and he got that from the sermon. So, just anyone who has the ability to mm-hmm. understand, to comprehend, is. Mm-hmm. Welcome and invited into the reading of God's So the last phrase is, is uh, all-inclusive of all those who understand. You know, when you first read it for the first time, it sounds like the third gender. You have the men, you have the women, and then you have all those who can understand. But, yes. but it's kind of it's saying anyone else, the kids, and any, anyone left not, not inclusive, and, and, and men and women. That's, a, that's an interesting... Which uh, goes to show that revival is, is an all-inclusive uh, element. You know, God wants the whole family unit to mm-hmm. be revived by His Word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we come back after the break, we're going to look at the uh, ingredients to how to pull together a biblical recipe, ultimately by the grace of God, but there are some things that the Bible delineates. Stay with us after the break. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. We're in episode 11 of this season on leadership in the book of Nehemiah. And this episode, we're looking at the uh, recipe for revival. Uh, Before the break, we looked at how gathering together was one crucial ingredient. Second one is the Word of God. And I want to ask you guys the question that I asked before the break is, what are, they're just not doing a a reading. There's there's some, the the Bible goes into some detail on how they're reading. Sebastian. Well, the first thing we see is as they're reading in the open square and the people can understand, the Bible says at the end of verse 3, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the Mm -hmm. law. So there is a very intentional listening. Then it says in verse 4, when Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him, and it lists all the people. In verse 5, he opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above them. And when Mm -hmm. he opened it, the people stood up. Mm -hmm. So here we see there's a certain reverence that they're having. There's Mm -hmm. almost a worshipful experience. Mm -hmm. This isn't just like a, hey, 
we're going to read the Bible and we're just going to be revived. But there's a worship experience surrounding the Word of God that is central to it. And that attitude change really impacts how we understand the Bible. Yes. Uh, We're not reading a difficult book uh, to to crack and try to put our brains through it. This isn't some literature analysis. This isn't a book club. But we're coming to it with a certain reverence like, I'm not in line with the holiness of what this book is espousing. Not that this book in itself has holiness, but the words, the meaning themselves does. But that attitude on little change yes. uh, makes, is mixed, I mean, is, is, it's just like night and day. Well, I think in so many people, they, they, they feel like, you know, when they come to the word of God, they don't get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm reading this book. I'm trying to do my personal devotions. I go to church, et cetera, et cetera. And even referencing that previous question, when you come to church or even when you come to the word of God, it's the mindset is the foundation of the experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I come to church to worship Jesus, it doesn't matter who else came to worship Jesus mm-hmm. because Jesus is worthy. Yeah. So me coming to church and whoever else is there is irrelevant to the question because I'm arriving here to worship God. When mm-hmm. I come to the word of God, I must approach the word of God as if it is what it says it is. Mm-hmm. And that is the word of God. This is the expression of my creator. This is the thoughts of deity. And when I approach it that way, I'm going to take reverence and time to be attentive and recognize God is speaking to me through the pages of this book. And that's that's why you can have people read the Bible and be atheists. Yes. That's why you have atheist theologians who study yes. the Bible and have all this Bible knowledge and yet have no relationship with God because how you're approaching the Word of God impacts how the Word of God is going to impact you. Yeah, many of them, as they read, it deepens their doubt. It right. deepens their okay. atheism. It's, it yeah. supports their, their, their philosophy. Well, if we can go to mechanics of what they're reading. Can I mention something about oh, the okay. mechanics? Yes, yes, please. So in, right there in verse 4 it says, So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood and then you have that phrase there which they had made for that purpose Mm -hmm. and so you have we talked about the different ingredients one of them was gathering the other one was the word of god the and the third one here is from my perspective is purpose Mm. so they you know the so they get together and they actually construct a, a a structure for the very purpose of the reading of the word of god and so it in other words there's an intentionality here Sometimes revival takes place spontaneously. You have different parts in the Bible when the Spirit of God just falls. But here you have an intentional component. Let's build because we are... And why are they, why are they, they building? They're building because they're expecting that God is going to do something. And so really the purpose, creating a purpose or intentionality is a result of an expectation that God is going to honor His Word when the reading of His Word is being mm-hmm, preached. Mm-hmm. And so you, the third ingredient I would say is purpose mm-hmm, or expectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen to that. Verse 3, they are reading from morning to midday. The Hebrew saying from about 6 o'clock in the morning from sunrise to about midday noon. So this, is a, this isn't a six-second Bible reading that someone asks right. you to read right before the sermon <laughs> and you kind of have to stumble over the words. And thank you so much for reading the, some of the names. Very difficult. Absolutely. But this is a six-hour Bible reading. Uh, but if you look even deeper, they're not just reading the Bible. They're also doing something else. Like verse uh, 7. Uh, you have those names there that I'm not going to read. Uh, they help the people to understand the law. 
and the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book and the law of God. They gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. So what you have here in this dynamic is you have the leaders up front and they have the pulpit, which they made for this purpose. And they're opening up the scroll and they're reading it in front of these people, in front of the water gate. And all these people are listening. And for six hours, they're not just listening to the Bible being read. But then you have the Levites are going down to on the floor. And now they're, they're helping the people understand what the reading was just about. Mm-hmm. So, what did, I mean, for me, this, this reminds me of like old school Sabbath school. Yeah, and right. you know, when you had like nine Sabbath school classes in the one room and there was just a lot of chatter going on. And, but you have, they're breaking up into groups and they're, re- they're listening and then they're like, hey, did you understand it? And they're breaking apart, answering questions. And the important part is not just the reading, but the understanding, getting it into the mind. Yeah. And undermine and, and, and what it, the purpose was for it. And that, that's so critical because it lets you know that understanding is so fundamental to revival, mm. right? Understanding the word of God, because a lot of times people who need revival, which it means to live again, mm. which means you were alive once. Mm. You knew the Bible. You were familiar with the word of God. You were familiar with who God was, but something has died. Something has been lost, right? You've lost your zeal, your energy, your first love, whatever it is. So we're reviving you again. And a lot of times what's happened in that death period where you spiritually died and need to be revived is you lost a sense of the understanding, the significance of the stuff you already know. Mm. And I can honestly say that for a lot of people who are young believers who feel like, oh, church is nothing, this is boring, right? I feel like the Bible is irrelevant. It's usually not an indictment on the word of God. It's indictment on their understanding of the significance of the things that are in the word of God. And therefore, that tells us as older people who may say, man, these young people have no respect for the Bible, have no respect for God. A lot of times it's not an issue of a malevolent desire to undermine the church as much as it is an ignorance, a certain level of I don't understand why this is significant. It requires teaching getting down with the people and helping them understand to get the sense of what it's trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fundamentally what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. There's, if it, when we read Nehemiah chapter 8, there's a deep emotional there is. You know, response to what is, a zeal to what is taking place. Yes. But there's also a deep intellectual yes. response. And so revival requires these two things. It requires an emotional response to the Word of God and an yes. intellectual response yes. to the Word of God. If you miss one or the other, you, you have a disaster. And I would say the emotion stems from their understanding. Sure, yes. We do have uh, revivals today that, 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 that uh, simulate the emotional reaction. Yep. With yeah. really no foundation Substance. of why are you feeling that way? Well, it's just it's just awesome. Right. It's all these. <laughs> or you just keep repeating the same right. thing over and over, and I'm going to get emotional enough. Mm-hmm. And so and so the 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 emotions without the intellect leads to fanaticism. Yes, you know it leads to uh, you know yeah to fanaticism. Yes. and at the same time, if you have the intellectual without, without the emotional the response, it leads to Phariseeism. Mm-hmm. And so here you have a dry yeah. theological understanding right. of things. Yes. and so here you have the combination of the two. Mm. God is presenting the word. People are looking at the word and comparing the word to their lives. They realize that they are not in line with the word of God. This is a result of a struggle. This is, this is a result of a struggle with scripture over a long period of time mm-hmm. and understanding in reality what the Bible says. The, the thing is this, that many times we don't see our sinfulness or the seriousness of our condition because we don't understand the holiness of God, right? And so I read the Bible and I'm like, dude, I don't kill. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm not, or, or if I, when I lie, it's to help someone else. So I'm not a, you know, I'm, I'm a better person than I am, an evil person. 
but we don't understand the significance of who God is. And once we get to the point where Scripture, our eyes are open and we understand what holiness really is and who God really is, then I'm like, oh my goodness, I never understood how deep of a sinner I am. Yes. I'm actually a greater sinner than the person that has, yeah, murder because of what takes place in my mind. And this creates an emotional response. Like, God, I don't like who I am, and I cannot change who I am, and I need you to change me. And this begins the work of revival. This is what is taking place. And it takes place because of leadership. Leadership plays the role in leading people to the revival. And I think we cannot... Uh, overstress the fact that the role of leadership in Scripture through the Bible, spiritual leadership, is always to transform the character of the individual to be more like Christ. Amen. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think it's important. No, it is important. The gathering together of the people, you know, and speaking about the, the role of leadership in bringing people together for this kind of an experience. Um, it is possible to read the Bible and understand and have an experience with the Word of God by yourself. But there's something significant in this experience of coming together with a group of people and that corporate understanding that develops. And I think even our understanding of Scripture, as, as in-depth and as powerful as my understanding of Scripture can, can be when I'm by myself, when I study something with my brother, my sister, and, and we come to a corporate understanding of the Word of God, there's something... Th- it's like a, yeah. it's like the next level, you know, of, of the experience mm-hmm. where, whoa, God revealed this to me, but God is revealing this to him too. Like, yep. this isn't a private interpretation of the word of God. This yeah. is the Holy Spirit is speaking the same thing to, to mm-hmm. all of us. So I think it is, it is important to have a personal experience with God's word and a personal revival time every single day in our worship, in our mm-hmm. de- daily devotions. But it's also important that we have that corporate experience where we come together for small group Bible study or worship together on Sabbath where we are corporately coming to understand what the Word of God says to us. Are, are today's corporate meetings based on that, though? Are, 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 are there re, are revivals? Uh, when people say, we're going to have a revival, is Chapter 8 the blueprint for that? I absolutely. Think, I think rarely I does it happen. So. I think rarely does it, it happen. He said, Absolutely. You Absolutely. said rarely. It should. It should. No. It, it should be. So we yeah. have three different <laughs> answers here. Yeah. Uh, from it, absolutely yeah. to rarely to no. That, that's, this has never happened here on Inverse. Uh, three different radical opinions. Okay, we have a, two minutes. Uh, each Wait, each okay, get your position so, here. So on the, the no side is the, the placement of Scripture in, in Nehemiah chapter 8. Yes. Scripture is central. They yes. built a platform for the purpose of elevating the reading the of the Word mm-hmm. of God. And in a lot of our worship experience, the scripture is peripheral, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the focal point. Everything in our worship experience pointing to what's the reading of the word of God going to be. It's kind of like, you know, like, yeah, well, you have to have a sermon. And even then, sometimes the sermons are not even based on the God's The sermon word. should be an exposition of the reading, but often it's just uh, some, some story or something that's a special My music. And the announcements have more theological merit than sometimes the sermon. <laughs> okay, and then this is... So she just proved my point because she said rarely does. Rarely, yeah, okay. So <laughs> I agree with her. So there's actually two points because I agree with what she's saying. Yes. It should happen more, it rarely does. Yes, okay. I believe that my point is saying absolutely is we put these elements oftentimes... That's okay. The Lord is my strength. <laughs> so when you think about these meetings, 
we've put a lot of these elements in there, gathering the word of God. I think the problem is the people, A, were prepared for this experience, and B, you see that the attitude and the mindset that they brought to it and what the leadership is providing are, to me, the two differences that happen. But I think the ingredients are there. Well, there you have it out there. What do you think out there? Do we have biblical revivals, or are there man-made revivals based on excitement and, and enthusiasm and entertainment? You can kind of guess where I'm kind of leaning towards. Send, uh, send us a letter, email, uh, communicate with us on social media on what you think. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week here on Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.